Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to 22 Mysteries Podcast. This is episode 11. Today, I'm going to be telling you how breaking into Stephen Hawking's office changed my life. Sicker than your average, average. This is the 22 Mysteries Podcast with your host, Sean Hamilton. I might just persuade you to love hip hop just a little bit more. I just believe that it is the voice of the people, man. The effects of music, specifically hip hop music. How activism can be a part of the culture. Four elements of hip-hop can be taken around the world to make this world a better place. Today, what we're going to be talking about is an aspect of goal achievement and kind of dream accomplishment that I feel like gets missed in pretty much every talk, every book, every little segment of audio video that I've ever watched or heard. In the whole type of personal development, self-help community, when they talk about achieving goals and setting, you know, a plan for yourself and all this law of attraction talk, I'm sure you have heard it ad nauseum as well. But there's an aspect to it that I want to talk about today that I believe gets missed because what I still see When I watch people's content and I look at all the comments and I just try to pay attention to what people are saying about the content because I still see a lot of people talking about like wanting practical knowledge, like how do I achieve these goals? And I'm like, if it just came down to like a strategy, then everybody could really do it as long as they followed the strategy. That seems to be the consensus in the self-help community. But the reality is, is that there's nuance to this conversation that gets completely fucking skipped over, right? Now, I'm going to take you to an example of Walt Disney. Now, when Walt Disney set up his entire organization, there's a reason that he split up the dreamers from like the practical, analytical-minded people, the detail-oriented types of people. Because there are just different types of people. There are those who are like big picture thinkers who love to imagine and use their imagination and come up with ideas and kind of foster those ideas and nurture them until the state in which it becomes this dream. And all of a sudden you can see the bigger picture and you start kind of assimilating a bunch of different concepts. And that process takes a while. But that process, for those of us that dream big and that love that whole kind of arena of thought, it's exciting as shit. It feels fucking amazing. It's like one of the most like fun playgrounds to exist in as an adult. You're just sitting there getting to just play with ideas and this very abstract concepts. But the problem is, is that we have this entire other section of the population, and most of which you may have had this situation before, are part of your family and inner circle of friends and people that you care about and people that care about you. And so most people that are outside of like Walt Disney's little experience or whatever, um, like think tank or whatever they may be a part of, outside of that, the common person, they don't typically have a lot of like dreamers who understand the process of creating that goal in its very infant stage. Because the reality is, is that that dream at the infant stage is incredibly vulnerable. It is like a seedling that is just hatched 
and has just popped through the surface of the soil, it's incredibly vulnerable to all sorts of different challenges and obstacles. But a dream is a little bit different in the sense that it is incredibly vulnerable to the outside persuasion of others and their opinions because what that does is create a monster. It's the only thing that can destroy a dream. It's, it destroys dreams faster than anything else, and that is self-doubt. The reality is, is that when you speak your dream out loud and you tell it to an analytical-minded person, they're going to give you an entire list of bullshit from, well, I just don't, you know, I want you to keep your feet on the ground. I want to be practical, and you, you need to be realistic. I just don't want you to get hurt. I mean, there is a whole gamut of shit that comes out of their mouth when it comes to their feelings of fear, right? Because that's really all it is in most aspects of life, and this is totally generalized in a way, but it's very true in this situation is that people, they are afraid. They're afraid of failure. And so a lot of analytical-minded people, they don't like to do anything that could set them up for failure. So they think that by playing it safe, by being practical, by being realistic, that they will never have to feel the feelings of failure. Well, for dreamers, the feelings of failure are imperative. They are, they are absolutely necessary because of the fact that when you feel them, you're no longer afraid of them. Because to be a dreamer, you're going to have to recognize that there might be failure along the way. That's, that's, the, that's a part of the whole fucking game here. But the reality is, is that a lot of people fail at that particular moment. Now, there's a shit ton of other content out there that's going to talk about the ideas and the, the smart goal process, right? You need to make them specific and measurable, attainable, realistic, and put some time clock on it and all this kind of stuff and get leverage on yourself in order to be able to manifest the behaviors required in order to bring these goals to life. There's a lot of content out there on that. But what I have seen an incredible void of is talking about this particular nuance is that you need to be fucking careful who you tell your dream to in the infancy stages because that energy can get sucked away from you so quickly because typically you're telling somebody that you actually care about. So their opinion means something to you. And a lot of people across the board have a very difficult time at not allowing the people closest to them to influence them in some way especially when it comes to something that may even scare them. Because if you've never like gone after something big in your life, doing it for the first time is fucking terrifying. There's a whole lot of just latent, like deep, intrinsic, emotional bullshit that it gets connected to. And if you haven't done the work to weed through all of that, it is fucking terrifying. But the reality is, is that it's, it's completely possible achieve pretty much anything you want. It really is. I've heard a lot of negativity, you know, and pushback on that, that that creates this problem of entitlement. And we could go into that debate at another time. But I would rather just say that the reality is that the human race has created and manifested some of the most incredible things ever. And we are continuing to do it. 
at a fucking alarming rate. It's fucking infinitely quick. With technologies now, we're like, they're just multiplying rapidly all over the place. So the evidence to suggest that humans can create what they think about is fucking staggering. But yet, the loudest people seem to be still influencing those of the people who still want to use their imaginations and dream. The loudest people seem to be the ones that are like, well, we just need to be practical. And to me, that is frustrating because then we sit around with a whole lot of fucking problems that don't have that don't get solutions because the people who could actually think outside the box and, and kind of assimilate in the abstract, they don't actually put that energy to good use because they're too busy fucking listening to all these, you know, realistic people, all these practical people. Now, I want to tell you why I have this mindset. A situation happened to me. And you probably could tell by the title of this episode and the picture was that I broke into Stephen Hawking's office when I was 19 years old. I broke into his office. I had, I had no reason to be there other than the fact that I wanted to meet him. There was no meeting set up. There was nothing planned. And I want to tell you about that story because it really has shaped my mindset and my worldview when it comes to achieving things that other people think are real unrealistic or crazy or fucking stupid or a waste of time and tell you all these reasons, right? Why you will never be able to achieve what you want to achieve in the time frame you want to achieve it. So many people are going to come out of the woodwork, even those closest to you, and they are going to tell you a whole list of reasons why you can't do it. And I want to show you why those people are full of shit. They don't know. They don't fucking know. No matter what, they don't fucking know. Because there is that cliche saying where there's a will, there's a way. That fucking saying is there for a reason because it's fucking true. If you want it bad enough, you're going to find a solution to it. You're going to get creative and you're going to figure out a way. It may not be the most fucking beautiful, you know, fucking incredibly just finesse way of doing things. And it may be rough the first time through, but if you fucking find a way, guess what you can do? You can refine the process and make it better. And you can fucking create solutions that are elegant and fucking beautiful, but you just need to get through the completion of that dream or goal beforehand, right? Before you give up, just achieve it and see what that does to your mindset. I promise you. So what happened was I was on a study abroad program in Canterbury, England. I was taking British psychoanalysis and British literature. I was reading all about the Canterbury Tales and I was in Canterbury, England. It was a fucking beautiful time in my life. It was crazy as shit. It was an incredible moment. And like the summer that I got to spend over there was amazing. I got to travel all over Europe. I was extremely fortunate. And I was one of two guys in the psychology department out of like 27 people that got to go over and stay at this dorm. So there was just the supply and demand economics of interpersonal relationships was definitely in my favor that trip. And that's stories for another time. However, I'm just setting the scene that it was just a really, just a fucking cool time And we got to take this trip as a whole group. We went over and we had lunch at Cambridge University in this fucking grand hall. It's like the inspiration for, I'm sure, what created Hogwarts because it just looked like that. It was just this completely amazing, just old architecture, cool fucking building. And we had lunch. 
the liaison at the end of the lunch was like, well, we have two hours. Um, so you can just kind of hang out in the town. You can kind of go around the campus. You can see a bunch of things. You can, you could go over and find the tree that Isaac Newton sat under and, you know, ultimately realized that gravity was real and all these different things. So we could do any, any number of things we could do. And as we were trying to decide as like a group or if we were going to split up and do our own individual things, a friend of mine said, let's go meet Stephen Hawking. And that immediately, again, was like almost Inception style where it like got into my brain and it was like, it was real. It was like, we were going to go do that. I was going to go walk over to his office and it was going to be easy. It was just going to go knock on his door and say, hey, what's up? And uh, it was going to be great. Now, it didn't play out that way, but the idea took hold and it became mine. It was like intrinsically an idea that I believed in wholeheartedly that I couldn't let go. We had two hours and I at least wanted to go on an adventure, right? Who gives a shit about the outcome? Let's just go on the adventure. And if we, you know, if, if anything comes of it, great. But if not, at least we will probably have a cool story. So immediately, right? Again, this is what I was telling you. Immediately upon saying this fucking dream out loud, this goal, this aspiration, immediately, the liaison from the campus just shit all over it. She was like, tell us all these reasons as to why it was impossible and was never going to happen. He didn't have an office on campus. He's a worldwide celebrity. He's, you know, too busy thinking about the, you know, the the deep workings of outer space and trying to understand the creation of all things like you know she just listed all these things as to why that idea was never going to happen and why we just needed to go down to like a pub and grab a pint and just hang out and see how beautiful the little town is but we were like nah fuck that you know nah we have this idea and we want to we want to grab hold so we were like okay so he doesn't have an office here where's his office at she was like well i don't know and she was kind of like you know basically giving us this kind of wall of negativity as far as like still trying to convince us that it was a bad idea so that kind of deterred a lot of the kids and other staff from wanting to achieve this goal. But there were six of us that were like, okay, well, we still want to just have fun. So let's go figure it out. So we went down to the city and we started asking around. We probably asked 30 people, 40 people maybe, and all of whom were just a wall of no. I mean, we got every different sort of response to from you're an idiot to you're wasting your time to there's no way you're going to meet him. They didn't know where his office was. They didn't even know who Stephen Hawking was. And uh, so the reality was, is that all of that negativity and what I was telling you earlier is that all this external negativity did was start to feed the monster that could have killed this dream, which was self-doubt. We all started feeling it. All of us were like, well, maybe this, maybe we, maybe we should just go sit down and grab a beer. It's freaking hot out here. You know, we don't want to waste our time for nothing. And at the point where we were like, well, we have a decision to make, right? This is the, this is a pivotal moment. We're either going to allow self-doubt to win, right? All this negativity that we've gotten externally is going to have created the self-doubt necessary to just make us quit. Or we're going to overcome that and we're going to continue forward. Well, we made a decision and we were like, let's just ask one more person. And it just so happened that a cab pulls up that has enough space for us all, all six of us to fit in this van cab and the driver happened to know where Stephen Hawking's office was. Now, I understand the whole idea that, of course, it's the last person you ask, because why would we have asked another person if this guy could take us? It just happened to work out that it was like this next person. So I I understand it's not the last person I ask, you know, 
here we are on our way over to Stephen Hawking's office, and we're like, okay, the, the journey continues. In the car, the cab driver proceeds to tell us why we're so stupid. We are crazy freaking Americans who think we can come over here and meet Stephen Hawking. Never going to happen. He's a worldwide celebrity. He's probably on some book tour. He's got, you know, he's honorary degrees from every university in the world. So he's probably somewhere else. And we're like, gee, thanks. Thanks for all of the positive energy here. So he drops us off at the front door of his office building in which we run fucking full steam into a, you know, an entirely new obstacle that was fucking huge. At the time, we didn't think about the fact that, yes, he's working on some of the most advanced mathematics and physics problems ever, you know. Of course, his building would be secure. <laughs> of course, his building would need passcodes and security badges and clearance and all sorts of shit. And uh, so we started asking people that were walking out, and all of them just laughed in our faces and told us that, you know, they've worked in the same building as him, and they were, they've never met him. So we're like, well, what the fuck? Okay, so self-doubt, again, starts to creep in. And we're like, well, at least we got to the front of his building, even though there's no, you know, it's not like this says Stephen Hawking's building. It's like just this nondescript kind of stale brick office building that you would see in any kind of, you know, kind of corporate complex. But so we're sitting there and we're looking around and we're like getting a little discouraged. The time clock is starting to tick down. We'd only had two hours to begin with, and now we're sitting at about 30 minutes left before the bus leaves to go back to Canterbury, and we still have about a 15-minute, 20-minute drive back to, to meet the bus, and so we're like, well, shit, okay, so we're looking around the parking lot, and I just see this van in the distance in the parking lot, so I'm like, well, what the hell is that? So I run over to this huge van, and it was like obviously one of those vans that wasn't just like a temporary you know, uh, accessibility vehicle. It was like a van that you would get if like there was no other option and that you were basically going to be needing wheelchair accessibility for a really long time, right? Forever. Cause it was just a permanent massive kind of vehicle to take a wheelchair around. And I was like, well, what do you think the likelihood is the statistical probability of another person in this building needing that level of assistance. So it kind of refueled the like, oh my gosh, Stephen Hawking may be here. So it just refueled that kind of energy and we were like, all right, next person that comes out, professor, you gotta be it. This is the last ditch thing. We, we, you know, we have to get back in the cab and leave if we can't get somebody. And so you know, we're waiting for somebody to come out the front door and nobody does and we're like, shit. And then all of a sudden we hear something come out from the side of the building. We run around to the side of the building and there's this guy walking down the steps uh, from like the second floor of this building. And we're like, turn to our professor. And we're like, professor, you gotta, you just plead the case. Just lay it all out on the line and you know, hopefully he'll just let us in. Tell him we just, you know, we just wanna get a picture of Stephen Hawking's door sign, you know, just so that we can have some kind of memento for this journey. So he goes over and he lays it all out. And this guy's like, you know, basically, again, this wall of negativity, this wall of like, you know, I mean, realistically, he definitely had some reasons as to why he shouldn't let us in this building. You know, he could lose his security clearance. This is, you know, against all protocol, all this different stuff. And uh, he's telling us, you know, that he could lose his job and all this stuff. And we're like, but we're just not going to take no for an answer at this point. We're like, please, we're, you know, we're not here to cause any trouble. We just want to get a picture of his door sign. We'll be in, we'll be out. And no, you know, we won't make any commotion at all. So he's like, uh, well, all right, fine. Just please, please, for the love of everything holy, do not 
fuck me on this at all, <laughs> right? Like, just go in, you know, basically tells us where to go. And he's like, just get in and get out, get the picture, move on. And, uh, and then he just bailed and we we're like, okay. So he told us where to go. He like opened the door and we, we went in. So we're walking down this hall and trying to be as quiet as possible. And yet it's just cubicle after cubicle. And people are like looking at us like, who the fuck is this? And like, we're trying not to make noise. And, you know, but at the same time, we're like so excited, you know, we're just a bunch of college kids. Like, holy shit, we're like broken into this building and we're, you know, going to get a picture of Stephen Hawking's office door, you know? And at that time, like nobody was really, nobody's really thinking anything of it. We're just like walking down the hall and uh, we knew that it was the last door on the left. And my professor's like a couple of people in front of me. And I'm like, you know, I'm just sitting there. I'm kind of looking around, just like taking in all the, the, the whole experience and just, was just badass and we're just like okay here we are we're just kind of completing this thing and we're about to you know get the camera ready to take a picture of this door sign and then we get down to the end of the hall and I realized that the door was open and my professor was standing in the doorway basically his like you know his mouth was just like wide open he kind of like lost color in his face and literally like a cartoon level stacking of heads in the doorway. I was like, do, 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 do. Like we, all of our heads just like appeared probably at once. And there's fucking Stephen Hawking, like sitting at his desk and we're just making commotion. Like it's just, you know, we, it, it's hard to contain ourselves at that point. And, uh, his wife and caretaker, same person like walk over and, uh, she, she comes over and, you know, kind of like, can I help you guys? And like, we're just like, Oh my gosh, you know, Americans, you know, Dr. Hawking. Oh my God. Like, you know, and, uh, she's like, hold on a second. She walks over, talks to Dr. Hawking and he basically just welcomes us in. And it was so fucking crazy. It was a surreal moment. It really was. And we like got to just ask him questions and have a conversation. He said how you know cool it was to meet us. And he was like really moved by how much we, because we were telling him how much we went through to like actually be standing here in front of him. And he was so moved by that, that, you know, that we went through all of that trouble and uh, we got to take a picture with him. And uh, yeah, it was just one of the most incredible things because you know, here we are doing something that everybody told us that was, you know, impossible, right? And in two hours, two hours, we went from not knowing where his office was, to sitting down and having a conversation with him in two hours, overcoming so many obstacles and just mountains and mountains of negativity. So many things that would have, you know, had we been alone, had one of us been trying to do this independently, it would you would probably turn away. But really, the reality was is that we had so much internal intrinsic energy for this that if anybody started feeling self-doubt, somebody else would like jump in and be like, no, let's, you know, let's keep this going. Let, you know, like there was just so much group synergy for this adventure that we were like, let's do this. And then to have accomplished it felt so fucking amazing that it was literally like when we got out of that situation back into the taxi cab, we all burst into tears. It was just this kind of euphoric celebration, really, where it was like it was like we didn't really know what to say or do. So it was like every emotion just flooding out at once, tears, laughter, yelling, screaming, just fucking euphoria because it was like and at the time, I don't think we really knew what was happening. But like when I look back and analyze that moment of my life, I recognize that as like this really weird rewiring of my worldview and my psychology, because that moment defined how I viewed people telling me that things were not realistic, that things were not practical, that you shouldn't do that for whatever fucking reason. And I go, 
I don't think you really understand because there was probably 70 or 80 people that we talked to that day who all told us some level of no, some level of negativity, some level of you're stupid, some level of you're wasting your time. And nobody, nobody really on that path was like, you guys can do this. Like, this is something you'll be able to accomplish. Like, nobody was, nobody had anything positive to say. You know, even the taxi cab driver that at least gave us the next piece of information, he still shit all over our idea. Even though he had something to help us out, which was awesome and completely needed for this journey, his whole demeanor was still negative. It was still, you're never going to accomplish it, right? And when we got back into the cab and we were fucking crying and screaming and yelling, like you could see it affect him too, where it was like he almost realized that he didn't know what the fuck he was talking about, right? And so like all of these people who are in your life right now that are telling you why you can't achieve something, why you shouldn't, maybe you're the one telling yourself that, right? You just have to step outside of that and recognize that you can you can accomplish some fucking amazing things in a really short amount of time. Like I know that that was a very uh, like it was a very small goal, right? There wasn't a whole lot that really needed to happen. The only thing that really needed to happen was to get a ride to the building and to be let in and for him to be there. There was really not that many challenges when I when I really analyzed that situation. So like if you're someone who's trying to put together this incredible business idea or you're trying to, you know, basically wrangle all these cats together because some goals really take a lot of moving parts, right? You're trying to get together a film, you're trying to put together an album, you're trying to get, you know, all these people on board, you're trying to build a huge following, you're trying to put together a blog, you're trying to do something with your creativity. There's a lot more that has to be done and there's a lot more time and patience involved. I totally understand that. And because I've had to to face that down myself, right? In putting together this podcast, I've had to face down those exact same feelings of self-doubt, those exact same feelings of like almost like uh, insecurity level that happens when you're doing something creative on your own and you're kind of putting your heart and soul into something and then having to broadcast and put it out to the world. There's a lot of fucking like chatter in your brain that starts to fucking come in from all the programming that we receive, just, you know, all the fucking nuances of shit that we take in throughout the day, you know, all the news media, all the fucking content we, you know, take in, all the chatter from everybody else, the comment sections we read, like it's all just kind of sitting there and acting as this external source that feeds your self-doubt, you know what I mean? And that's the only real thing to stand in your way. Because if you really listened to all the people who have accomplished great things and really listen to like the subtext of what they're saying, it's never give up. And the only way that you could give up is if your self-doubt got big enough, it caused you to quit. Because if you don't quit and you just keep consistently chipping away and acting upon what it is that you want and going after it, you can fucking achieve some really incredible things in a lot less time than you think. Because I would never have thought as a 19-year-old in a foreign country that I would have been sitting next to one of the most worldwide celebrities in academia that has ever lived. Like it was like meeting Einstein. You know what I mean? Like it was like walking into Einstein's office. And it was so crazy to me because it was, you know, I had read his books in college and I had like studied, you know, the scientific, some of the scientific principles that he came up with, you know, like the, just the overwhelming 
situation that that was. And when I look back on it, it's one of the most pivotal moments in my life that shifted my mindset to believe that nobody that is shitting on your day or shitting on your ideas or standing in your way of accomplishing your goal, none of them have any fucking clue what they're talking about. Like, like none of them. Because the, you know, you, you hear it all the time that it's like, you know, Gary Vee talks about how he loves to prove the haters wrong. And so many other people talk about that. And it's that mindset that when you accomplish something that everybody told you was not accomplishable, it does something to your fucking brain. It does something to the psychology that recognizes now that all of this fucking negativity means fucking nothing. Now, that's what sucks when you're trying to create a dream at the very beginning in that very vulnerable stage. And that's why I wanted to talk about and bring it back to that because that vulnerable stage of the dream is the point in time in which the self-doubt is the greatest because you haven't really done anything that's like given this idea roots. There's no security. There's no structure. There's only this idea. And you have to be able to nurture that, fan the flames of that long enough to get it to be something substantial so that it can withstand the self-doubt. And the problem is, is that if you go and you tell somebody who's the reasonable, the practical, the logical person in your life, and I'm not saying that those qualities are a bad thing because they're not. They're not a bad thing. But in the context of goal and dream creation, they are the fucking enemy. (laughs) They are. Whether they come from you or whether they come from something external, it's that logical, realistic, practical fucking nonsense that is going to create and feed the monster of self-doubt that's ultimately going to destroy any energy that you had pushing towards the manifestation of those behaviors that have to take place in order for you to achieve what you want to achieve. Because the world of, you know, positive thinking and the world of the law of attraction is absolutely inept at telling you that all of that stuff is great, but it will never substitute for action. That positive thinking, that's only the intrinsic energy trying to build the motivation to overcome the inertia that you need to fucking do something so that you get fucking excited about an idea so that you actually sit down at the computer and you buy the fucking domain name. And that to me is what is so fucking awesome about dreams and goal creation and like really going after things because the process is so much fun. But the reality is, is that so many people don't talk about this one particular part at the very beginning that is incredibly vulnerable, incredibly vulnerable. So that's the piece of advice that if there was anything from this episode to take away, it's watch out who the fuck you talk to when you're in the early stages of trying to put something together. All right, so that's it for this episode. I'm going to leave you with a song that I wrote called I Had a Dream. Now, this is just another freestyle off of the top, just kind of an in the moment, just inspired. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for sticking around and listening to this. I hope it inspired you. I hope you took something away from it. And again, this is the first episode since Anchor has basically implemented a audience participation an audience support function into the app. So if you are interested in helping this show continue, please think about donating some type of monthly stipend to me so I can continue to put these episodes together. 
And I appreciate and love you all. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week and weekend. And I will see you in the next episode. All right. This is I Had a Dream. What's up, everybody? Yo, I had a dream last night. Had a dream last night that I was learning to fly. Like I could just look up at the sky and wonder why. And all of a sudden I'd be there staring down at the ground. And all of a sudden I was just taking all of the sights and sounds. And then I just jumped, spread my fucking wings. And all of a sudden it was like I was just learning how to live my dreams. And yes, I was just looking up at the sky. Wondering why the stars gotta shine so fucking bright. But yo, it's like they had any choice It's like if they had another way to do it They'd probably find their voice Instead of just putting their energy into some light They would put it into these sounds So they could learn to just inspire your life But yo, it probably does it anyway And I'm just sitting here trying to transmute it to my fucking brain But some days it's like it just sits and stagnates And I'm not really sure But it causes this thing like a magnet to just inside like a cure for my pain and I just sit and try to spray it out like one day I'll find a way to understand the pain that I've been through like it as it moves through my brain and it moves through the veins it fucking stews inside of my heart and all of a sudden if it sits there for too long it starts to tear it apart and now I just gotta open up and spit so I do it every day just put on a beat and start to vent Yo, but this is all I'm ever trying to do Cause I woke up yesterday with this dream And I just had to do it and prove I had a dream, I had a dream Every day, but I wake up and scream I had a dream last night when I slept And then I woke up screaming What is next? And I don't know I could ever find the right message inside my mind to comply. But yo, this is all I'm trying to say. I'm trying to reply to the pain that's going through my veins. Every day I wake up and wonder what is next. Should I take up the next sun? I'm not really sure if that makes sense to you. But inside my mind, it's like it's only spitting the truth. It's like it's hidden inside behind the understanding view of nature that has inside my hatred. Something inside my heart that understands the sacred. But yo, I'm not sure if it's all come a blur. If it's all become these words trying to get out of my mouth and then they slur. Because I gotta go single file one at a time. And it's like an image wants to pass by too quick. And it fucking lies inside my mind. And it just sees, it just tries to understand, jump out into the air and breathe. And I'm just trying to give it a freaking path. I'm trying to give it a chance to breathe and have a fucking grasp. And I don't know, but it's trying to understand my soul. And just trying to understand the freaking pain and toll that I've had to take. Every day that I just lay awake on my bed and I just trying not to just shake. I'm trying to understand why I sit and seize. Why it is that it's so fucking hard for me to sit and breathe And I don't know, it's like I have this yearn Inside my fucking heart, inside my chest that just feels the burn And all of a sudden, I'm just sitting trying to run from the death That I know, one day, it's gonna come